We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me, as per usual, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, dude, obviously, uh, I know how you feel. Thanksgiving is the worst holiday on the planet, and Christmas is far better. However, I know that you had Thanksgiving with your family yesterday, as as did pretty much everybody across the country. How are we doing today? How was Thanksgiving? It was good. I did up a prime rib that my brother bought and came out nice. pretty well. Had made some bomb mashed potatoes. You know, the only two things I was responsible with, think responsible for, thankfully. Um, but it was a good holiday. I mean, family was over. My old boss was over as well. He came and joined us. Watched a little bit of the Vikings Patriots game with him before he took off. And it was just, it was a good day hanging out with family and friends. Nice. Yeah, this sounds really fun. We did uh, two turkeys at my house. Um, Samantha did one in the roaster, and I, I put one on the smoker, and we almost had a catastrophe. Like, it was bad. Uh, the The smoker has a, the, the computer board in it, decided that it, we were running at uh, 475 degrees, not 375 degrees. So, yeah, it, uh, it got really interesting there for a minute. But Crisis averted. Everything turned out great. Uh, Samantha's parents came over. We had a, a great day, watched some football, had a few too many adult beverages and ate way too much food. And we still have way too much food um, in the refrigerator, man. We got so much leftovers. It's crazy. But that's the greatest part of Thanksgiving is having all that extra food, having your family over and having a great time. Speaking of giving thanks, guys, we are going to be giving thanks to this Denver Broncos team for forcibly uh, watching some absolute terrible football. So thank you to this uh, to the Denver Broncos for that. We got the Broncos against the Carolina Panthers this coming weekend. Carolina not doing so hot. That defense is sneaky. There's some sneaky aspects to this defense that I, I want to kind of break down with you, Eric. But first things first, let's say hello to everybody here in the chat. We've got Ernie. What's going on, Ernie? Uh, Mark Lindemood. Uh, Noble. I'm just going to say Noble. I'm not sure how to say your first name, but Noble is in the house. Colin Wood as well. Chang's in the house. Kevin Gray. What's going on, guys? Thank you for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Um also, guys, follow us on Twitter. Find me at SandersonMHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also for Scott, uh, Scott Kennedy, run the, the ones and twos at Scout Kennedy um, at Mile High Huddle. You know, you know the handles by now, Eric. So 
Carolina is in pretty well full sail, like fire mode, like burn it down to the ground, take everything out of here. They they already fired Matt Rule a few weeks ago. They traded Christian McCaffrey. They were in talks of trading DJ Moore potentially to like uh, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Brian Burns is a name that they had potentially moving forward. This team is struggling. They're 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 moving Sam. They're starting Sam Darnold this week over Baker Mayfield. PJ Walker is doubtful to play, so they've got a lot of issues going on. Um, they're three and eight, I believe, is their record. If not three and seven, much like the Broncos are, they're they're just struggling all over the place. What can the Broncos do to really exploit this team and see if they can turn this season around? Like they got to win out if they want to make the playoffs. Well, offensively, I mean, this is a good game. Like they have some good talented players on their defense, but they have some glaring weaknesses as well. Certain players that are just struggling. Jeremy Chin, Jeremy Chin has not been playing good football this season. Brian Burns, he's been doing excellent as a pass rusher, but he's still struggling as a run defender. And J.C. Horn, he's been struggling coming down with his run fills as well. So if you get um, J.C. Horn and Brian Burns on the same side, you want to attack outside the tackle in the running game. You want to force them to have to step up and play the run well. And teams have had tremendous success exploiting that weakness they've had because they haven't been able to do it. And anyways, I mean, you're not going to be able to run between the tackles because Derek Brown is just going to eat you alive when he wants to. Um, especially with how this interior offensive line has been playing. Um, we, I mean, a couple of years ago, I mean, I know Denver ended up winning that game with in what 2020 with Teddy Bridgewater starting for the Panthers. I know that um, Denver ended up winning, but Derek Brown had a field day on that and dang near, you know, shoved a Tony Moody back into the lock of Drew Lap, forcing an inter oh, nearly forcing an interception that would have, you know, flipped the outcome of the game. I mean, he's he's a game wrecker, so you got to avoid him. So attacking the edges in the run game, attacking Jeremy Chin in the passing game, uh, th th those are the two two keys for this offense to try to you know exploit consistently throughout the game. No, I'm right there with you. Derek Brown has been absolutely fantastic this year. We were kind of running through some of his statistics earlier. Um, he's second on the team, I believe is what you said, in, in terms of total pressure. So he's not only getting it done uh, on first and second down, he's also getting it done on third down. A true three down interior defensive line playing on the nose as far outside as I think a three technique. I've seen him play um, just on the, at the outside shoulder of the guard a little bit. So it's fun to watch him play because what he's going to do is he's going to just beat you with speed and athleticism. Like he, he's got some fire in his hands but it's not like a super powerful game he's an athletic quick quick twitch kind of a guy that's going to come right at you and that's where this broncos team has really struggled especially in the running game is the quicker defenders that do a good job of crossing the face of the guards dalton riser's really going to have his hands full this uh, this week and then with cam fleming kind of being dinged up uh, billy turner being out calvin anderson um he's going to be getting the start again at the left tackle i mean running towards brian birds is going to be the big thing those guys excel mostly in running in uh in run blocking so i agree with you staying away from Derek brown is going to be one of the bigger critical issues here for the broncos defense i want to pivot to the second level of the defense here just a little bit because Corey littleton is going to miss this game it, i believe he has a uh a hamstring injury. I cannot remember off the top of my head, but they have another really high quality run fit linebacker in Shaq Thompson. What do you think the Broncos can do to get away from him in the running game and kind of isolate him out in coverage? Well, I mean, this year in coverage, he hasn't been doing that well. Um, I mean, he's been, he's been about average for a linebacker in coverage. So, I mean, it's just a thing of like, you don't necessarily have to avoid him in coverage. You just want to make sure that you're not like trying to force it against him. You have, an, you have, again, you have the advantage of Jeremy Chin, who's been playing a good amount of, in coverage. C.J. Henderson has been playing pretty poor football as well. So the safeties aren't that good. Like, their their coverage 
their coverage unit is a couple players that are standing out and they help make the unit look a little bit better. And I mean, this, this um, defense, they are ranked 21st in DVOA against the pass. Um, so, I mean, that just right there is showing not, that they're not a good unit. So I don't think you have to avoid Jack Thompson. I don't think that you have to really be, uh, he's not one that really you have to be super cautious of in coverage. He's just one that you don't want to try to force the ball against and just, you know, take advantage of the opportunities when they are there. Yeah. He's, he's so good in his run fits though. Like that guy is all over the, all over the place. He does a great job racking up tackles every single week. So that's another guy to kind of avoid, which is another reason why you want to get, uh, to get the, the outside zone game going. If you can get the outside zone game going or, well, actually, you know what? I think probably better pin and pull. If you can pin and pull Brian Burns and try to get everything moving to the outside uh, on some counter action runs, that's going to be a really great way to exploit this running defense. Uh, we haven't even gotten really to J.C. Horn at the third level of the defense for the uh, the first cornerback taken right in front of Patrick Sertan in the 2021 NFL draft. Um, with, uh, with, with Horn, last year he broke his foot, so we didn't really get to see a lot of uh, – a lot of him. So I'm, I'm really curious to get kind of your analysis on his performance this season. And before we get to that, I want to say hi to, to Chris Hernandez, a, a veteran. Um, and thank you, Chris, for joining us. Uh, nothing to say, just really kind of showing some love, some emojis there. And thank you, Chris, for that. We appreciate you for joining us over on Facebook. Uh, Travis Weber as well. Good evening, Lance, Eric, Scott, and Broncos country. Happy post-Thanksgiving. Happy post-Thanksgiving to you as well. And uh, always, as always, Ernie Mays in the house saying, hello, Lance, Eric, uh, go Broncos country only, he says. Uh, one more. Uh, oh, Kevin Gray saying, I uh, hope all the Broncos country had uh, thanks, a good Thanksgiving. Uh, good evening, Lance, Eric, and Scott. And uh, so if they lose this game, will Hackett be gone? Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. No, I think at this point we're, st we're seeing Hackett stick until the end of the season. So I, I've been for a while now, I've been saying that I doubt Hackett gets fired in season. It just isn't something that Peyton wants to do. He's talked about it multiple times. And it's not a situation of there are situations where you want to fire head coach in season. Are they causing a serious locker room issue? Matt Roll was um uh the Jaguars guy last year whose name 
just completely escaped me at the moment. Um, he, he was causing it. He was causing the issue, you know, with the whole scandal of him at the bar and kicking the kicker and all that stuff like that. He was causing direct locker room issues. And I think what is telling about Hackett with this locker room was Melvin Gordon's comments after he was cut. Melvin Gordon has never been shy about speaking his mind. And he still talked well about not just Nathaniel Hackett, but how the locker room is responding to him. And I think that that is going to be something um, that will help at least get him to the end of the season. The locker room's not quitting on him. I mean, they're, they're playing some bad football. Yeah. But they're still, they're not quitting on him. They're not quitting in games. And once that happens, maybe I think, but at the very least with him being fired, you won't see any movement until they are officially eliminated from the playoffs. And even then, again, I don't think he gets fired in season. Yeah, I was trying to find um, the the quote that uh, it was from Mike Cliss, I believe, at Nine News there in Denver. Um, it, it said something to the effect of like how how bright Nathaniel Hackett is, and how how many people have really kind of bought into his uh, into his system, bought into him as a as a coach, as a person, um, and he thinks that it's going to be. Um, a, a great turnaround essentially for this Broncos team uh, didn't it, despite the, uh, the the public issues that he had with the fans and um, going back and forth with people on Twitter liking tweets about um, Philip Lindsay getting hurt um, there was some other stuff that said well maybe I might finally get an opportunity he got a DUI here in Denver so it's been kind of a very maligned um, yeah. relationship and- with Melvin Gordon for, but for him to come out and say those those nice things about um about Nathaniel Hackett leads me to believe that maybe we ought to pump the brakes just a little bit. And if we can get a little change of direction in the the culture from what he's trying to do and maybe shut Russell Wilson up just a little bit, then we might be able to see uh, this team turn it around. Eric, go ahead and take that from Phil. Yeah. um, Phil comes in saying, good evening, Lance Eric and Deacon Scott survive Thanksgiving. Now, if only we can survive Sunday. Yeah. I'm more worried about surviving Sunday, especially mentally oh man like so my old boss he's a raiders fan and you know unfortunately we invited him to it and i started talking about how bad the raiders are and he just looks at me and told me to shut up that his team beat us twice and that that was it for me yesterday like he's not wrong but it's like that that was it like my mouth was shut at that point speaking anything about the raiders but um yeah, surviving that is a little rough. And with the whole thing with Melvin Gordon, last thing I want to say on that, I mean, this is a dude who, after he was cut, the first thing he puts out was taking a shot at, you know, how Broncos country, how the fans were consistently after him. Like, yep. so, yeah, he's not afraid to speak his mind. He's never been afraid to speak his mind. So if Hackett was a problem, he wouldn't have spoke. I mean, he may not have, you know, spilled the tea and said all these issues and, you know, because you know, that, that's just going to hurt him trying to find a new team. But he wouldn't have been as praising of Hackett and, you know, the locker room and how the locker room's taken to him. Yeah. Uh, last thing on this, I found that that tweet from Mike Cliss, uh, November 23rd. Uh, it was a it was a quote. He says uh, from Melvin Gordon said, quote, uh, Hackett is bright enough and he's won over enough guys to eventually figure it out. He's been making changes like you see. He's taken his ego out of it and he truly believes team first. And I respect him for that. So with Melvin Gordon, like you said, he's very candid. He does a really good job of like conveying exactly what's on his mind. So 
for him to go out and say that to, to Mike Kliss in an exit interview that he had uh, shows there's a little bit more faith inside that locker room than what we're seeing potentially with the, the product out on the field. Um, offensively, now for the uh, Carolina Panthers, we're, like I said earlier in this game, we have Sam Darnold going to make his first start of the season over Baker Mayfield um, this week. P.J. Walker, again, is going to be on the uh, – the I believe he's listed as doubtful this week. But um, So we're going to see Sam Darnold. This is a big-time matchup for this Broncos defense because they can really exploit a guy. They've had their hands on so many different footballs in terms of knocking away passes, like that that pass that they had against the um, against the Raiders last week where it went through Josh Jacobs' hands, hit a Broncos defender, hit Jacobs in the face, bounced up in the air, and it fluttered harmlessly to the turf. They've also had, I think they're like second or third in the NFL in terms of forced fumbles, and they have like two fumble recoveries all season. Like it's been a bad, bad just luck, like luck of the draw, essentially, when it comes to the turnovers here. Sam Darnold fumbles the ball a lot and he doesn't take care of it through the air. I want to see some turnovers here. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a player that should be pretty easy to confuse um and you know, rattle a little bit. He's a guy who I mean, throughout the years, we've seen him. You hit him a couple times, and he starts seeing ghosts, and he starts feeling pressure that isn't there, and he starts making mistakes. Um, he is one and one against the Broncos. I mean, the one win was that one Case Keenum game back in 2018, mm-hmm. where they uh, managed to get a couple big passes off from um, Sam Darnold to Robbie Anderson. And but in that game, I mean, Sam Darnold only completed ten passes in in his career in his two games against them. He's 33 of 50, uh, 64 and has been sacked seven times. And that second game was a terrible game from him as the Broncos were able to, you know, go back. That was the one catch with the, you know, the Jerry, I'm pr- pretty sure it was the Jerry Judy catch, right? Yep. Yep. Can, yeah, that yeah. was the, that was week four of the yeah. last season. And Brett Rippon started that game uh, against, against Sam Darnold, Jerry Judy. There was a Thursday night football game. The Broncos ended up getting yep. a, a long touchdown pass from Jerry Judy. And then uh, a, an amazing touchdown run by Melvin Gordon to close out that game. So yes. Uh, let me grab this real fast from Travis. Travis Weber says uh, these, these are first year coaches. We need to grow with them as they grow. And I, there's there's some truth to that. I, I'm not going to completely dismiss that thought because you absolutely are correct. They got to grow. They've got to learn these new roles. But at the same time, there's still enough incompetence there that you can point a lot of the issues that this team has directly at the coaching staff and directly at Nathaniel Hackett because as the head coach, the buck stops with him. And so a lot of those issues are his game management issues. So that's why this is a, a topic of conversation. And Travis, we appreciate you for joining us as always, buddy. Yeah, and with that, it's like it's the same thing with players. Like when they're young and they're still growing, yeah, you want to give them time, but they still have to show enough to sit there and warrant that extra time, warrant the patience that's with them. I mean, if they come out and they don't look it right away, like you got to turn around quickly, otherwise you're not. And so far this season, Hack hasn't started to show that growth from it. He's shown some ability to adapt. We've talked about that before on the show with his run game and changing that up because what wasn't working wasn't working and. I mean, what they change it to isn't working, but slightly a little bit better, not much, and just little things. But it's not seeing an improvement of the team, and like you, you can't stick with that for too long because if you stick with the incompetence that he's shown for too long, that's when you start to lose the locker room, and you're trying to build a, you're you're trying to rebuild a fractured locker room from a defense that quit on Vic Fangio last year, yeah. and essentially weren't listening to him. 
you don't want to have that just happen again after trying to repair it because you just kept hacking too long. So you got to find that balance of not too much patience, but you know, enough patience. Yep. Oh, hi, Kevin. Uh, sorry about that, guys. Garth Knight jumping in here with a $10 super chat. Talking more Nathaniel Hackett here, but also some Melvin Gordon saying, I like Hackett because he's new school, but whoever held on to uh, Melvin Gordon while he was running like a zombie for the last five weeks needs to be called out. Lots of wasted carries regardless of who would be carrying the football. Um, I want to kind of address this here because I, I find there there's some issues here. And I, don't get me wrong. Melvin's fumbles were to the point where you – cannot have that happen like you're you're talking one fumble every other game this season and there's costly at the goal line fumbles or like what two of them inside the five three of them inside the five yard line you cannot have this from a veteran running back that's been in the nfl for eight nine years however long it's been the problem is where the broncos are currently at with the construction of their roster as of right now after they cut melvin gordon on monday they have three running backs, Latavius Murray, Marlon Mack, and Devino Zigbo, who were not on the opening day 53-man roster. They're just not there. Javante Williams is out, obviously, with a torn ACL for the rest of the season. Mike Boone is going to be back, hopefully, here in a couple of weeks. Well, I understand that you need to hold Melvin Gordon accountable, and this is a great move from Nathaniel Hackett and George Payton to say that poor play like that is not acceptable. We're going to make sure that everybody knows we have to start making some changes around here. The problem that I have with the cut is while you may not be able to utilize Melvin Gordon in a like a first first team starting bell cow type of role because he fumbles the football too often. Marlon Mack hasn't played in almost two years. He has coming off of a torn Achilles from last season. Divino Zigbo has like five total carries in the NFL. And you're going to lean on Latavius Murray, who's 29 years old and doesn't have very much tread left on his tires. He's a physical runner. Like this is what you're. This is your plan at the running back position is wait for Mike Boone, who's never healthy. Hopefully Latavius Murray stays healthy and Marlon Mack shows you something that he hasn't shown since 2020. I'm very leery of this decision, even though I think it probably is the correct one. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So I'm going to push back on that a little bit because the whole thing with keeping Melvin Gordon and everything, I get where you're coming from, but running back is the easiest position to go out and bring somebody in. Oh, I don't disagree with that. It's the easiest one to go find somebody. They may not be good, but hey, as long as they're not fumbling, because what people seem to forget with Melvin Gordon is he had three fumbles that weren't counted because of just a split second. One that he was just barely, two of them that he was barely down, and the other one he fumbled, and fortunately it went out of bounds. Like, those as well need to be factored in with this, and they kept sticking with him when he was ineffective, and the the bigger issue here with me 
is that after benching him, they turned around and went back to him, which again, it's a little bit understandable. It was a short week. They had kind of, they kind of SOL out of it, but they went back to him because he publicly complained about being benched in the second Mm -hmm. half. And that is the thing that does fall back onto Hackett. As you said, the buck stops with him because he's sitting here. He's trying to be too player friendly. Like, it's a way it's a way that you're going to lose control of the the locker room that way of not holding players accountable this is a guy who literally cost you a game and has caught i mean he's cost you multiple games over the last you know going back to the, towards the end of last season as well like you got to hold him accountable for it and that is either you bench him and if he doesn't take to that then you cut him like nothing against melvin gordon i thought some a lot of the hate that he got here was more than he deserved but it got to a point where you just could not stick with it anymore. Go find somebody else, and guess what? If they the you're not getting worse. Like at the very least, it's a lateral move because maybe they won't be have these few big plays that he had. Right. But you don't have to risk a fumble almost every single time that they touch the ball, most likely. And if right. they do fumble, well, guess what? Move on again. Running back should be turned like constantly. It's such an easy position to find players. Oh, I, I don't disagree with that line of thinking. I'm just, I, I'm, you know, where this team's at, cutting a, a I, I can't even necessarily say a good player because he's only averaging 30 freaking yards a game this year. Like the the, the running game for this team has been bad. And now you're going to bring in a, a guy that's, um, if, if you do go out and get a guy, you're bringing in a guy that's unfamiliar with this offense. It's already having troubles being translated to the players. Like there's confusion going on. It's been talked about from multiple. So what Melvin Gordon was part of that. Melvin Gordon didn't get this offense. Now. I, I, I understand but... that. I, I, I get that. I, I don't know. And maybe, maybe it's my, my, I don't want to call it personal liking of, of Melvin Gordon. Well, no, it's, it's like, your thing. It is your personal life for him because remember you were perfectly okay with paying him one year seven million dollars for him to come back. I wasn't ready to say that. No, that is not what I said. <laughs> that is not what I said. Don't you dare Anyways, put words in my mouth. Speaking God of the running game, this, we talked we talked about this with the defense, the Panthers defense earlier, and I wanted to touch on it because I finally got the stat up about it about attacking the outside zone. So that the Panthers defense, they have had eighty-seven outside zone calls against them. And that is the worst team against the outside zone in the NFL. They have the lowest okay. EPA per outside zone play in the NFL. Again, like it, and it is significantly lower than any other team in the NFL. Um, so, like, yeah, I mean, Brian, we talked about Brian Burns, as good of a pass rusher he is, like, he sucks against the run. As good as JC Horn is in coverage, he's not that good of a run defender. Like, he's still learning his run fills. Um, the phys- he wants to be physical and everything, but he just the technique isn't always there getting off even receiver blocks. So, this is a game. I mean, we've kind of crapped on Cortland Sutton a little bit over the last few weeks. I mean, he had a good game on Sunday, like as a blocker, too. Like, he had some nice blocks. Um, and it's like, do you need your tight ends? You need your wide receivers to step up in this game as blockers because you got to get the outside zone working. You're not going to be able to run inside the run between the tackles as we talked about with Derek Brown. So get that going. And on the opposite side of things, they're not an offense that wants to attack the outside zones. So you want to play a little bit heavier in the middle, maybe a lot like we've seen the last two weeks, because Dante Foreman, he's got next to nothing left when it comes to getting outside. Like he is yeah. very much a north south runner. He's going to get the ball and he's going to run. He's going to hit one of the A gaps basically consistently. Every now and then a B gap, but. He's pretty much a very straightforward runner. 
He just has still has some good power luck. Very Latavius Murray-like with where they're at in their careers. Um, so Denver's going to want to focus on doing that and play big in the middle. And this offensive line, they're a good unit. They're yeah. penali- a good run-blocking unit. Penalized quite a bit. Akia Kwanu has the most penalties in the um, is the individual player with the most penalties, and they are but they are struggling in pass protection, which again going to Sam Darnold, make rattling him earlier, making him see ghost. This is a good offensive line to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Attacking Brady Christensen, who's a player that I know you loved coming out in this uh, this last year's draft. Austin Corbett as well at the right guard position. Like there's there's some there's some opportunity along the interior of this offensive line based on just ca- scouting what we've seen of, of them in the NFL. Like there's an opportunity here. Let's get Dr- let's get Draymond Jones lining up four eye and attacking Austin Corbett directly into his face. Like that that's a great way to attack this offensive line in the passing game. Bradley Bozeman at center. Like there, there's there's a, a lot of really good ways for this Broncos team with the, uh, Deshaun Williams playing well, DJ Jones playing well, Draymond Jones playing well um, with Alex Singleton and his run fits right now, the way that he's playing, the, playing the game. Uh, I, I think that Deontay Foreman is going to be the least of the worries, especially with, as uh, Henry points out here, Sam Darnold. Come, he says, uh, Sam, Sam Darnold, come on, don't let him score more points than Russ. I, I don't think that that's necessarily a, a problem from the defensive side of things. It's a problem from the offensive side of things and them just not getting things together, moving the ball down the field consistently. So, and they, they, they couldn't do it against the Raiders, which is a significantly worse defense than this Panthers unit. And, like I put it in my prediction at milehighhuddle.com in our predictions piece, the Mile High Huddle Roundtable. It's up live right now, milehighhuddle.com. Uh, until this this Broncos offense can figure out a way to be consistent, drive to drive, game to game, it's hard to pick them to win games because they just can't put points on the board. Has nothing to do with the defense. They're allowing the the like 14 and a half or 16 points a game. It's number one defense in the NFL in terms of points per game allowed. And if your defense is only allowing 16 points a game and you're averaging 14.7, it's the first time that's ever happened since 1946, guys. It's a long time that we've seen something this ineffective from an offense on a single team that has a defense this good. So until the offense starts to get stuff going, Sam Darnold may put up more points than Russell Wilson, and that's a sad deal. Yeah, I mean, definitely, and I I agree with that. And I think, obviously, they're most – Dangerous weapon is DJ Moore in that passing game, but you can limit him with Patrick Sertan, yep. even though Patrick Sertan got absolutely toasted multiple times against the Raiders. Um, that final play, like it was a beautiful design by by uh, McDaniel's, and it was a great route by Devonte Adams. But there were mistakes there in by Patrick Sertan on that final play. It happened earlier; he got a little bit too far behind in this trail technique. And then there was another play. I think I'm pretty. I'm fairly certain it was the Josie Jewell near interception. Yep. That uh, Matt Collins absolutely toasted um, Sertan off the line. Like that is a game to grow and improve from. A learning game. I mean, every great corner. And I've been hard on Patrick Sertan. Like very hard about him. I want to see. I want to see him be physical in all phases consistently and not just in spurts. Um. But this is a good game for him to bounce back at. Like this seems like a kind of like. Okay, you had your bad game. Now step back up, and you know, send that message of, "Hey, one bad game doesn't make me a a bad corner." Like, right. and nobody's nobody's saying he's a bad corner. Just to be fair, um, I mean, and DJ Moore. I mean, that's that's a tough matchup for Patrick Tutan because yeah. of the way he is. He's a good route runner. He's yeah. really shifty, and 
Like he can attack them in similar ways that Devonte Adams can, just yeah. not quite as. I mean, not the same receiver. Just to be clear, not saying the same type of receiver. Um, just attacking in similar ways. So it's a thing of to help him out, get that pressure on Sam Darnold, and it'd be interesting. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how Patrick Sertan bounces back from this because despite all my criticisms, he is still one of the top corners in the NFL. And it's this he's not even done in his second year. Like he is yep. absolutely fantastic as a corner. No, I I don't disagree with that. Sertan had a bad game. Devontae Adams got him a couple of times. Mac Hollins got him a couple of times. The the one that I was really noticed the most, and I actually have a film piece up at milehighhuddle.com right now, uh, on Damari Mathis. And Damari Mathis had a I thought a really good game against the the Las Vegas Raiders. He's slowly but surely improving his technique and trusting his technique just a little bit more and more every time that he steps out on the field. And that's a great sign for a team that right now missing Ronald Darby, uh, missing Kwan Williams. They're leaning on Damari Mathis to play a lot, and he's really stepping his game up. He went one-on-one with uh, Devontae Adams a couple of times and was really sticky in his coverage. He did a great job filling in his run fits and stuff like that. A very physical tackler. Go check this this film piece out. Um, I've got a lot of really good feedback. If you guys do it, uh, go check it out. I really would appreciate that. But Damari Mathis, I'm curious to see how he continues to grow against uh, a defense that – or, uh, excuse me, against an offense with, the, like you said, DJ Moore – not like the same type of player as Devontae Adams, but a, a guy that can win in a lot of the same different ways. Uh, I, uh, DJ Moore probably a little bit more explosive than Devontae is, so that's why I think he has the, the more verticality in his game. So that's going to be something to, to watch, especially with Damari Mathis, because the one thing that I do have bad to say about Damari Mathis is his penchant for biting on double moves like it was at Pittsburgh is still there. He got beat big time by Mac Collins on a double move post route. Um, he actually got beat twice by Mac Collins. Uh, one was a go route. Uh, it was like more of a stop and go. And then they, they beat him on a, a, a corner post route over the middle of the field. That's that big play where Mathis came back across the middle of the field and broke the, broke the ball up. So him biting on double moves and getting himself turned around is still a, an issue. But Damari Mathis is going to be fun to watch and see what he can do against DJ Moore, what he can do against um, guys like uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. They, they've also got LaVisca Chenault. So if you're a fan of University of Colorado, you should know that name very well. It's That's going to be kind of a, an interesting way of looking at this is how does Pat Sertan rebound and how does Damari Mathis continue to be a quality starting cornerback in the NFL? Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, definitely. Um, Neil Natalie Freedom Smith comes and says, Russ Wilson is playing injured. New name to me, at least on Friday night. So thank you for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. And uh, to this is like, Russell Wilson is playing injured. I mean, everybody knows about his shoulder injury that he has, and he's still dealing with the hamstring. Everybody knows about that. And the thing is, is every player in the NFL at this point is dealing with an injury. Um, At this point of some sort. I mean, Josh Allen is playing injured. Um, the thing with Russell Wilson, though, when it comes to the injuries, is he was playing just as bad now as he was before the injuries really occurred. Mm-hmm. So it's that it's that it's 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 an issue, yes, and it doesn't help the fa- doesn't help things by any means. 
but it's not like he got significantly worse since the injuries. Um, there's a great film piece by Ted Wynn on yeah. the athletic that really talks about it. It breaks down multiple plays from the Raiders game. And I'm talking about his issues with the reads, his panicking in the pocket. And it really focuses on the lack of not the lack, the loss of mobility that he has had in his lower half. He's just not as quick or as shifty or as fast as he used to once was. And it's creating a lot of issues because that again, and I've talked about this a lot is using that as where he made a lot of magic with those creating broken plays down the field and coverage by moving around, getting receivers open and making the big play that way. And he just can't do it quite the same. And the way that you want to, you want to change that is you, you still want to use it to a degree, but you want to speed up his reads and he's just holding on the ball a second too long. He's w like one of them was that third and 10 play. Like the pocket was clean enough for him to stay in there and just step back and drive on the ball to get it to, um, I believe it was Kendall Hinton that was breaking open over the middle and wide open for a huge oh, okay. game. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't. He, with no pressure, he escapes out of the pocket, which then sees the right tackle give up a pressure because it, I mean, he put himself in a position that made it easier for the, I mean, the edge defender didn't have to go through the blocker anymore and ended up throwing it incomplete, which is a, um, which is another issue with um, another issue with Russell Wilson on that too, is that his situational awareness is just completely shot and no injury explains that aspect of his game. Right. Uh, Albert Knopper's jumping in. What's up, Albert? How are we doing? Say hi to Michelle for, for Eric and I. Good to see you, buddy. Thanks for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you. Um, that, so Jeff Noyes, and I don't know if, if my, pointing down at this uh had a comment here it, he thought that there were three max crosby's out there yeah it was not necessarily because max well let me rephrase this max, max crosby, crosby got his one camera filming yeah he, he he got definitely a lot of wins but there was a couple of times where russell wilson made it look like max crosby was tearing things up and max crosby was actually stopped like there was a couple times where russell wilson stepped in and, and tried to evade and stepped right directly into where max crosby was at They're like this is an issue and it's been an issue for a few oh. weeks now. And especially when he wanted to throw over the middle of the field, I know exactly the player talking about, I believe it was Frank. It was, it was, a, did, it was it, a third, it, it was the third and 10, it was a third and 10 play after the two minute warning. It was the third right. and 10. Play. Was that the one that Frankie put on his Twitter feed? Do you remember that? Yeah, I think, that was, that I, yep, was that I think, yep, where because uh, Hendon comes on a crossing route, they have a deep post on the backside, and I think a little check down back to the back to the right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Hinton was wide open guys we're talking like there was not a player he was as wide open as Devonte adams was on the final play of the game and russell wilson looked directly at it and then shuffled out and yeah. ended up i think he, he didn't get sacked he just threw the ball away it was it was a really really bad play before we get out of here this is a this is i've seen a couple comments of this over the weeks and I, it's something that i kind of want to talk about uh jeffrey wingham another new name at least for me on friday night so don't recognize it. thank you jeffrey for joining us he says need a clean house starting with peyton and I'm surprised at how hot this topic has been. Of should George Payton should be on, should George Payton be on the hot seat? And my answer is going to be a little bit controversial. And yes, he should be on the hot seat. And the reasons for it are simple: Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson. Right now, both of those look like two huge failures. And yes, he has some great draft picks. His drafts have been a little great. Have been pretty good. But his drafts also are getting a boost because they're getting play time early. Mm -hmm. A lot of people seem to forget that Patrick Sertan was drafted ninth overall to be the fourth corner in the defense. Mm -hmm. 
He got boosted up because of injuries. Ronald Darby got hurt and Kyle Fuller got hurt. But that's yeah. not what he wasn't drafted for. He was drafted to be corner four for the year. Um, Nick Benito was drafted to be edge five for the year, but injuries have boosted him up. So they're getting more they're getting more time out there, which is great. Um, a lot of his later picks seem to be like hits, Jonathan Cooper, one of among them. So, yes, he should be on the hot seat. Should he be fired? No, he shouldn't be fired. He should get another year. If they if he and I think I think I've said this on here before. If not, I, I know I've said it pri- I've said it privately multiple times. If he sticks with Nathaniel Hackett, then he is tied with Nathaniel Hackett. Yep. Depending on ha- what happens over next season, that if you're firing Nathaniel Hackett, then George Payton has to go after the 2023 season. If he fires George Payton this offseason, then he should get a chance to f- correct his mistakes. Yep. Find somebody who can keep Russell Wilson in check and get him to play better and get and do add the pieces to make get a good complementary football team with a strong running game which is what Russell Wilson really needs to you know get anything going at this moment he should get that chance and so i don't think he, i don't think he should be fired but he should definitely be on the hot seat and I, it shouldn't be super hot either just to be clear i'm not saying that it should be burning his butt but it should be start it should start heating up well it, it's definitely not nearly as hot as Nathaniel Hackett's is because yes i I don't want to say that he's going to get fired in season. I still think that there's a possibility for that, but it's going to be late. Like you're talking week 14 because the team's just falling apart and they have another embarrassing loss to a bad team because they're going to get the Rams and that is going to be a bad team. The Rams are not playing very good football right now. They're going to go through what? Carolina, Baltimore. I believe they have Kansas City. Then they're going to get the Rams in there. They got an Arizona game in there as well. That Rams game and the Arizona game are the two games you've really got to pay attention to because if they lose those two games, and, and depending on how they lose, that might be where the, the, the final straw that breaks the camel's back, is, so to speak. I, I do think that there is that possibility. I don't think it's 100% likely. I do think it's probably it, – it's a less than 0% chance, but it's close to zero, so probably like 5% if I had to put a number on it. So – that to me, I think, does allow George Payton to have the opportunity to, like Eric said, go out and correct that mistake. I want to see the process behind it. I want to see what he does, the names that he brings in. Is he still staying aligned with, like he did this last season, the hottest coaching names on the cycle? Are we talking, or do we get Shane Steichen in? Do we get Jonathan Gannon in? Those are the, the Eagles offensive and defensive coordinators, respectively. Uh, is Dan Quinn going to be another name? And I know that for a fact he is going to be another name there. Demeco Ryans. Can we get the 49ers defensive coordinator, Demeco Ryans, in here? How about Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions? Can we get him in here to maybe kind of take a look at what's going on with this offense? Because the Detroit Lions, despite as bad as they are on on defense, they're averaging like 29 points a game right now. They're the eighth highest scoring offense in the NFL. Like there's some names out there. If he's going to continue with those kinds of names, I'm going to be okay with it. However, if he has a short list and it's Dan Quinn, Brian Schottenheimer, and – Whoever, like Norv Turner, for example, just throwing out a, a bad name. If that's the if that's the process, I'm going to be very very clear in my frustration with ha- with uh, with George Payton moving forward. He's going to have to have another good draft class, and and whatever coach that he hires out out coming out of that process is going to have to have this team turned around because you're into year three and the the team still is playing rookies at a high at a high frequency rate. And 
it makes him look a lot better. Like you said, they, 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 like those, those players are out there playing a lot. So I'm yeah, with you. I think, I think his seat's hot, but I don't think that it's like, like you said, I don't think he's like on fire right now. Let's, let's get him out of here. He's ashes and it's, it's done and over with. So yeah. I'm with you on that. And there's three things that'll get a general manager fired. Well, four things really. Two with two that go with it. Uh, whatever. We'll say four. We'll say four. Failing to fix the quarterback position. Yep. Fixing the quarterback position incorrectly. Yep. Failing to get a head coach in. Sticking with a bad co head coach for too long. Those will get a head coach fired quickly. Yep. Um, so that that's that's the big reason why I said what I said about him being tied with Hackett if he sticks with him. Um, Jamal Williams, the Lions starting running back. I like the Ben Johnson. He And I actually have an article up on mylighthuddle.com about some long-term options that we that can be looked at nine names for head coach offensive and defensive coordinator as well to look at if you change over the staff and i, I want to throw other names out there with evro just in case he gets another head coaching if he just in case he gets a head coaching somewhere else um jamal, jamal williams anyways he has the same amount of running uh, as touchdowns this season as the broncos offense as a whole yep yeah um so so that that's an issue um somebody asked somebody asked a question in here about Russell Wilson. And I don't really want to, you know, go down the Russell Wilson whole thing about it real quick, but it was a good comment that I thought was great. Um, it was Chase Waldner. He says, Russ is having issues that he's shown throughout his career. Now that he's slowed down, those are amplified. And that's, ex that's exactly yeah. it. Yep. And on top of that is the comment right underneath it is string guy says Pete Carroll understood how to use Russ. And that's exactly it is he was using him in a way to maximize the efficiency by cutting down the field and everything like that and making it things making life easier for it where he could use his athleticism and using what mobility he had in his legs well he's losing it but there's still stuff there and we still see it and you can still use that but the issues that started arising in seattle and we, i've talked about this at length is he didn't want to be a rollout play action under center guy he didn't want to be that type of quarterback and so that led to issues there. I mean, he stormed out of a meeting because they wouldn't listen to him when they would let, you know, go to that let Russ cook movement kind of thing of him being a pocket passing quarterback with long developing routes. What we're seeing here, it didn't work. And now he came to Denver and Nathaniel Hackett essentially said, here's the playbook, adjust, add, do whatever with it you want with the passing game to get it how you like it. And that's what we have, and we're seeing it. Um, Clint Kubiak managed to call plays that are in the playbook that have been installed and see some success. Some of the plays were things of like adding a little movement, those shotgun rollouts and everything. Those weren't initially part of the playbook, but they were just a quick little addition to it of you know getting him out of the pocket, using that mobility a little bit. But after the first half, we saw the same issues all season long with it. It was the same long developing passing plays that the offensive line can't handle, that Russell Wilson can't handle, and the offense faltered. And that's as much as of the talk is on Hackett, that is on Wilson. And how it is is on Hackett is that he needs to put his foot down and end that. Clint Kubiak should put his foot down and end that. And Robert Merka. Um, uh, says hopefully we can show some improvements with Kubiak in the second week making play calls could be the tipping point in this offense. Um, so one thing I, I noticed and I kind of mentioned this briefly, Kubiak on the script was great, but in the second half he started caving to Wilson. I think the big issue with him, the big reason why he wasn't viewed as an offensive coordinator candidate this last offseason with much gusto, Lance, is because 
He was great on the script there in Minnesota last year, but once they got off that script, it was absolutely terrible. Their change in EPA, their change in efficiency, their change in every single advanced analytic on offense from when they were on the script to when they were off. And your script is typically 20 to 30 plays, your first couple drives normally. Once you made that, once he got off that script, it was absolutely just completely different, a terrible, like it wasn't efficient at all. And so he wasn't getting it. And I want to see that improvement. The script will be great, but can we see the improvements after you are off the script? That is something that I think will be huge for him. If he does want to get back into conversation as an offensive coordinator, that is something that he has to improve on. I did not realize that I muted myself. I do apologize for that. You're, you're absolutely correct there, Eric, uh, in terms of what Kubiak says. And Robert, I wanted to grab this comment because this is the first time that I've seen your name in this chat. So thank you for joining us, Robert. We definitely appreciate you for joining in with the uh, the conversation here. I pulled up the what you're talking about that being specifically on the script. Um, you're talking about, uh, you know, like the first 15 to 20 plays and whatnot. Go against the Raiders. This first game that Clint Kubiak was calling the plays. The Broncos' first two drives, seven plays, 92 yards for a touchdown. The, se- the, the second one, eight plays, 34 yards in a field goal. And their third one, 14 plays, 79 yards and with a missed field goal. That was the blocked field goal at the end of the half that Melvin Gordon actually fumbled the football on to tie it all together. Those first three drives, the Broncos were moving the football fairly decently and actually were putting points on the board. And if you don't have the Melvin Gordon fumble there, you're talking the Broncos are going into, in, into halftime with, it, if nothing else, a 13 a three lead because that fumble created so much momentum. Hell, if he if he holds on to that, breaks that tackle from Max Crosby, he falls forward into the end zone for a touchdown. You're going up 17 to three. Like that that's a big time uh big time momentum factor that just drained the entire stadium of all of the momentum. And that it, it, like signifies to me exactly what you're talking about with Clint Kubiak being on the script. Those first two plays those first two drives, 15 plays, we put 10 points on the board. They were doing that with uh, with Minnesota last year very, very frequently. The, their first and second quarter drives were always resulting in touchdowns. Then they couldn't get anything going in the second half. We're seeing it again with Clint Kubiak. Hopefully we can get that kind of turned around, get Russell Wilson to step back, take a, get out of the way a little bit with Nathaniel Hackett having a focus on going around to the entire team, having um, – having you know some some hands in the the defensive meeting rooms ha- having his hands in the the special teams meeting rooms maybe we can start to get a little bit more of a cohesive unit here and get some of these issues fixed that have been really kind of the same issues we've seen since what 2016 so it it's very frustrating uh i i think that's our last one eric do you have something else before we get out of here i wanted to grab this one real quick so colin wood says so after we get him the problems with Russ become apparent He's always been short. No, they they were always apparent. The Seattle Seahawks just covered up for it. And the issue hasn't been that he's short exactly. Um, That's been an issue as to why he doesn't use the middle of the field. But there are ways to work around it. Seattle did that. And Denver has tried to do it. And he just... And what's so frustrating with him is that he there's been multiple plays where he can see in the middle of the field. He can see the receiver wide open. And he just holds onto the ball and looks off of him. Like there is something else there mentally with Russell Wilson to not even attempt in the middle of the, the middle of the field that throws. Um, so the issues aren't exactly that he's been short, and the issues have always been apparent. But Seattle did their best to cover it up, and they had tremendous success for it for a long time until about 2019. Yeah. Yep. 
All righty, with that, we got a wild comment here. I'm not even going to address this. No, we're not on the freaking pay call of the Broncos, man. Get out of here with that. Sorry. Like, <laughs> no, it, no I, 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 I just, I want to grab it real quick and just say is like, we are probably two of the ones on the Huddle Up Pod that are the least apologetic for the Broncos. Player plays terribly. We will call them out for it. It, do, it doesn't matter who. So, Jeffrey, I mean, Good luck to you. Enjoy another channel. But man, like what you said is going to be farther from the truth, man. Yeah. It, it, it's not to call you out here, dude, but like to, to say that we're on the Broncos payroll, I can tell you that Chad Jensen signs my paychecks. Okay. In a way, let's put it that way. Uh, and I don't have any affiliation with the Broncos in terms of their, their media coverage. I'm an independent writer and do my stuff for mile high huddle. They don't tell me what I can and cannot say. And I blast them often. So Anyways, with that, guys, we're going to get out of here. Uh, and Jeff, come back, please. Come back. Let's, let's give us another opportunity to, to to show you that, you know, we, we can be critical. We uh, we can <laughs> have some of the the most of the, the most fiery hot takes that you've ever seen about this team. But uh, anyways, thanks, Jeff. We appreciate it. Thank you all for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Uh, follow us on Twitter by finding me at SandersonMHH for Eric, at Eric Trickle. Also for Scott, uh, running the ones and twos, at Scout Kennedy. Um, also, guys, please, uh, at Mile High Huddle. That's the, the main Twitter account, the mother account, where you guys find breaking news and analysis, uh, uh, pretty much anything regarding your Denver Broncos. My uh, Damari Mathis film piece is on there. Uh, Eric's coaching staff articles are over there. Um, there's lots of really good stuff covering the Broncos at Mile High Huddle. It's where you're going to find all of it. Also, milehighhuddle.com, obviously. Um, folks, financially, if you're able to do so, please head on over to huddleuppod.com. That's the merch tent. Eric is actually wearing our Dove Valley Deep Divers hat right now. I have one as well. I have a T-shirt. There's a face mask. There's coffee cups. There's a, a onesie to, suit your, to fit your baby, if that's kind of what your thing is. Anything to suit the guys or the gals, you can find it at huddleuppod.com. Um, and guys, if you're not financially able to do so at huddleuppod.com or even with super chats and stars donations, we appreciate all that. We really do. It's a great way to support the show. But the best thing you can do to help us grow, to help get more people is first things first, subscribe. Subscribe to Mile High Huddle across all platforms, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're on all of those platforms. You can find all of our podcast content anywhere you guys get your podcasts. So please subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Like every video you guys see across all social media platforms. And if you love it, share it, guys. Text it to your friends. Get it in front of as many Broncos fans as humanly possible. Because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Got a handful of comments coming in here really fast. Um, oh, yeah, Jerry, Judy, KJ Hamler being out again. That's huge for this Broncos offense, Eric. Well, I think we, I said it last week. I mean, with KJ Hamler having a hamstring injury, they may as well put him on injured reserve. And I've said this multiple times on here, hamstring injuries. And I've talked to a person who works in um, on a medical staff in the NFL about this before. And he flat out said, if they deal with the hamstring injury, you may as well put them on reserve on injured reserve because that's at least four weeks because hamstring injuries are so tricky and everything. And when it starts to feel right, just a simple can, you know, um, Twing it a little bit or and you know reheard it and you know and there you go you're sitting again and so it's to be safe it's become like a four to eight week injury anymore yeah. in the nfl so may as well put them on injury reserve it's going to be a little while i think for uh for kj yeah 
Okay. All righty. With that, guys, uh, Phil jumping in last minute uh, says, uh, let's take a minute to give condolences to Nick. Uh, did Nebraska beat Iowa today? I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure that's hopefully that's what it is. And it's not actually something serious. Well, they, they um, are oh, not yeah. rules. So maybe... Yeah. Yeah. Iowa, Iowa sucks. So go Nebraska. Let's go. <laughs> we'll we'll what? make sure to pass on your condolences to Nick, you know, Partially yeah. because yeah I, oh yeah you know, I, I will definitely point this out we are at what 52 <laughs> minutes of the podcast I'm gonna put I'm gonna put this into our group chat Nick you got a shout out and you got to go watch it so you're gonna have to go check this out <laughs> anyways guys thank you all again for joining us here on DVDD you all stay safe and take care have a great weekend and as always go Broncos we will see you guys same time same place next week see you guys thanks You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.